Yes, we are back. We are back. It is Tis of Town Tea with your girls, uh, Judith and Corey here. And uh, yeah, we hope everyone had like a really safe and good holiday. Um, Hopefully. Yes, prayerfully, hopefully. Um, And yeah, everyone continue to do what you got to do to take care of yourself. It's crazy out Mm -hmm. here. So again, love and light everywhere. And shout out to anyone who's been directly affected by any sort of disease, but particularly COVID now, as it's taking out a lot of people and people are separated Mm -hmm. from their families. So sending love and light to everyone around the holiday season, it can be tough. So it is tough right now, period. So yeah, um, if this is your first time joining us, this is a show about uh, two creatives, Corey and I, um, trying to break into the writing industry here in LA. That's right, the entertainment industry. And of course with, I don't know, everything, it's like you could be in any part of the the world, quite frankly, and be in a writer's room with all the Zooms that are happening. But this is basically our journey uh, to the writer's room where we're speaking uh, to life and all the tools and resources to help our fellow uh, screenwriters, particularly our black and brown screenwriters, um, to either get in the room, to improve our writing, to build community, share resources, all of those things. Um, quick rundown of the format. We hit you with a would you rather, which is a fun little icebreaker. We then go into the no better do better, which is a portion of the section uh, of the show where we share some tips, tricks of the trade, maybe even some encouragement. Um, you know, because it's, it's hard out here, um, period. But, you know, being a Black creative and a writer, and for a pimp, okay? Yes, <laughs> That's right. Um, and then we go into the news. So uh, one of us goes over sort of the news headlines and we always get it from Shadow and Act. It's an online publication that focuses on black and brown uh, people in the entertainment industry, what, the develop- what they're developing, what they're writing, what's to come out, all that stuff. And then we go into the main segment, which could be a whole host of things. Um, it could be an educational one. Sometimes we have guests. Sometimes we do script reads, you know? So whole host of things. Yep. And then last but not least is our Niggas You Should Know segment, where we just give a shout out to uh, a black and brown creative in the industry who is doing big things and deserve to uh, have their flowers. It could be an actor, a writer, director, a PA, a, you know, podcaster, you know, an influencer, whoever uh, we feel like, you know what, they need a shout out and they need their flowers. We go ahead and highlight them. So... With the rundown of the show over, let's get into our Would You Rather. So um, this Would You Rather, I think it was very interesting when I found it. Of course, I just get them off the internet. So I'm not that creative, guys. Um, <laughs> so I'm just not. But I might word it a little differently. So my Would You Rather is Would You Rather Have Beyonce's Talent or Jay-Z's Business Acumen? I think... Either way, you cannot lose, quite frankly, because either way goes to mucho dinero, period. But, you know, this is the question. Um, Yeah. Would you rather Beyonce's talent or Jay-Z's business acumen? What do you think? I would definitely rather have the talent because with the talent comes money. And with that money, you can just hire somebody who got his, his business acumen, okay? But you can't buy talent. So um, I'm 
I'm doing a talent for 500, Judith. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amen. I like that answer. I uh, I would have to go with you on that reason. Like, I think talent can be harnessed into business acumen. Mm-hmm. So that's something I think business acumen can be attained, can be obtained if you do what you need to do to educate yourself and understand how financial empowerment and wealth building actually work. And you're right. I think talent can be cultivated, but there's just, some people have both where it's just like, not only are there talent, talented, but then they also have the work ethic to go behind it. Usually you don't get both. And I think, you know, Beyonce is a excellent example of like where her talent meets her hard work drive, you know, and, and, and et- I mean, I mean, it's Beyonce, period, point blank. <laughs> I just, I don't know what to tell you. So yeah, um, yeah, I would go with the talent. Although I do feel like for me, I am not a financial person. And I would probably like, be like, you probably should have worked with the Jay-Z business acumen sis. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think the talent is, it will open doors and like, you know, you can follow that up um, later yeah. on with the business stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you can always buy, you know, a Jay Z. True. Or you can always buy someone with the Jay Z's not buy, but <laughs> someone yep. with the Jay Z's because the talent is gonna bring the cash either way. Period. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm with White black period poop. <laughs> I love that statement. No blacks. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so moving right into our next segment, our no better, do better segment. So I have just, I feel like I talk about this before or I put it on the Instagram page, whatever, but there should always be conflict in your scenes between characters and just throughout the entire shindig. I mean, conflict is the name of the game when it comes to writing a story or a script. And there actually has to be conflict, like, just throughout. There has to be. Mm-hmm. Each character has to have their own conflict they're trying to solve and or get over whatever. And, yeah, conflict is just really the name of the game in um, anything that you're writing. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a show, movie, a little short story, whatever. It needs <laughs> to be some type of conflict. Ooh, my puppy is acting up. Again. Um, so, yeah, conflict is just the name of the game. It doesn't have to be conflict because when I think of conflict I think of like eh, arguing and, and shit like that yeah. and just real pressure mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be it's not always like that conflict is just like I don't know it could be like just an issue or a problem or something that they're trying to obtain like that mm-hmm. can be conflict as well or just obstacles um for your character so in every single one of your scene there should be some type of like conflict or some type of tension or something it just keeps the story going and um doesn't allow it to be like super stale because I know I hate when I'm like watching something and shit just get boring child I'm like oh <laughs> just get real low and like dull and just a mess so mm-hmm. always make sure that you're putting some type of conflict in there whether it's like with the dialogue you're kind of making the characters you know go at each other where you like cat and mouse type situation in a witty way or something just add some type of conflict in all of your scenes and you'll be good to go because it really is the name of the game when it comes to storytelling conflict 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 friends 
Yeah, 110%. Just to add on a little bit, a lot of times you can get a lot of conflict if you make sure your characters are well-rounded, rounded, rounded, hello. (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) Well-rounded, and if they're flawed. So any time you have someone who has a strength or a weakness and, and you put in another character that plays off that weakness, you're gonna get conflict no matter what. So yeah, a lot of times, you know, a lot of people, like, whether it's characters that are good-hearted, but they're battling a drug addiction, um, there's many shows that, you know, that show different, especially, like, doc- I've seen a lot of doctor shows where it's, like, someone is stealing their patient's drugs, and I'm like, guys, come on, man, but it's just so, anyways, that's that, Scandal. okay, that's that quarantine binge I'm talking about, but, um, <laughs> quarantine, um, yeah, so, yeah, if you flaw characters will automatically create conflict, um, and uh, in, there's different types of conflict, internal and external, so there's different ways to play on different levels of uh, making sure your character has conflict along the way. So, yeah, great point, and uh, yeah, Corey, thank you for schooling the kids. Mm. You are welcome. Yes. <sighs> All right, so now we're going to get into the news. Ha-ha. All right, so um, our first piece of news is very sad. Um, we're going to, you know, live love and light to this person's family. But Natalie uh, Desell Reed, um, if you don't know her, she was the star of BAPS, Eve, and more. Um, she died at the age of 53. And according to uh, this article on Shadow and Act, they went ahead and um, referenced TMZ, but um, unfortunately, you know, she lost her battle to colon cancer. Um, Mm -hmm. As we recall, we've also lost um, Chadwick Boseman to colon cancer as well. So um, it's really sucky. Um, One of my favorite roles of her was in um, the Cinderella remake with Brandy and um Whitney Houston and Whoopi Goldberg she played one of the stepsisters um and she was so talented so smart so beautiful and um if you guys have missed it you can see all the tributes from a lot of people um and later on I'm gonna let Corey um big her up but rest in power to this wonderful actress and she's been in a lot of black ass movies and a lot of black shows giving us this great content um, that was for us, by us. And so, you know, definitely much love and light to her family and friends who are mourning her, um, you know, and, and really praying she continues to rest in power. So, yeah. yes. So our next piece of news is, let me get the link right, y'all. Let me get this, uh, got so many tabs open, child. Um, so, uh, the next piece of news, Ava DuVernay is developing Naomi, series based on the DC comic at the CW. Um, she be working, child. She's yeah. truly working. And always you, talk about her. <laughs> always. And, you know, that's the sign of success. Amen. Um, you know, she's going deeper and deeper into the DC comic world. I know there was a deal that she had with them a while ago, particularly in the TV area. And I think this is one of the uh, series that they're working on now. Um you know, she's basically going into more uh, DC Comics IP as opposed to Marvel. I know the difference, but I don't. But for you comic heads, <laughs> I just know X-Men is not DC. And I think Superman is DC. I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. Um, so, yeah. Um, 
She also uh, directing the new Gods film and having DMZ at HBO Max. She's also developing Naomi at, at the CW. Again, continues to be working. Um, she's going to be doing, um, the project is from, of course, DuVernay and Jill Blankenship, um, who is a part of her Ray Films and Warner Brothers TV um, merging together to collab on that. Um, it's based on, again, a DC character. And here's the log line of Naomi. So Naomi follows a teen girl's journey from her small northwestern town to the heights of the multiverse. When a supernatural event shakes her hometown to the core, Naomi sets out to uncover its origins and what she discovers will challenge everything we believe about our heroes. So uh, just a little bit of background on the comic book or on the com, yeah, the comic book. I wanted to make sure it was a book first. Uh, the series debuted in uh, 2019. Um, it's called Naomi season one and it was co-written by brian michael bendis and david f walker and it was illustrated by breakout artist jamal campbell uh the comic follows a remarkable young woman uh on her unique hero journey so i'm excited for this i can't wait to see this um of course there are other projects on um cw including black lightning uh black lightning spinoff uh, Painkillers, um, starring Jordan Calloway. So I'm looking forward to see what Ava DuVernay's eye, what it, her directing skills looks like in the comic book scene. Um, you know, it always goes, I mean, if you get a good director, it always tends to work well in the superhero genre. We've seen that with Ryan Coogler. I mean, yeah. killing it in Black Panther. So um, yeah, I'm excited to see this. Um, I love that it's a series so I can watch so much of it because I love to binge. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited. Congrats to Avery DuVernay. We're definitely going to be looking out for that. Yeah. All right. The next piece of mu uh, music, Lord help me. I'm just singing along and I'm thinking all this music stuff. <laughs> the next piece of news. Um, so Nine Days, starring Winston Duke and Zazie Beetz, has been delayed, and they're moving out of Oscars 2020 contention, right? So 90 Days um, is a film starring Winston Duke and Zazie Beetz, um, and it won't come out until the summer of 2021. And this is um, from Sony Pictures Classics. And according to Variety, it will not be released on January 20, uh, 22nd, uh, 2021. So it was pretty much next month. Um, it will no longer qualify for the Oscars, but it will still be able to be, get nominations for the 2021 Film Independence Award. Um, Nine Days uh, is an important movie, and this is a quote from uh, Sony Public Class, uh, excuse me, Sony Picture Classics. Nine Days is an important movie that was always meant to be seen on the big screen first. So we decided to move the date back to a time when we hope more theaters are open safely and people are more comfortable returning to the theaters. Uh, this is again, um, well, this is from the writer and director, uh, Edson Oda. Uh, she said, nine days is about celebrating life and human connection. I'm thrilled that audiences will also be able to have that experience in the movie theater next summer. Um, so there's official description of the film. In a house distant from the reality we know, a reclusive man interviews prospective candidates, personifications of human souls, for the privilege that he once had to be born. Mm. That seems very deep. Also, <laughs> they are betting. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm glad they're betting on this summer people will be going to theaters. I think that's a very bold and confident bet. 
Um, maybe I've lost all confidence in 2020 and 20. I'm looking at 2021 with a side eye. Like what you fit in, what you fit in the brain? <laughs> what, <laughs> what the fuck you fit in the brain? So I'm, I'm honestly, I'm just, first of all, I'm glad this project will be coming to us eventually because Winston Duke, my future husband, and Zazie, <laughs> you know, she bad. You know, they're working together and doing, you know, creating great art. So I'm all about supporting, mm. supporting that, you know. Um, but I don't know if I would just be confident and being like, oh, yeah, we're just going to be the summer 2021. Here we come. Like, I'm like, mm. I, I don't know. I hope so because I believe the theater experience is important. Uh, it's, I love movies, you know what I mean? I want us to go Hi. and enjoy, you know what I mean? To the mm-hmm. theaters, but if it's not safe, then, you know, that's that's a harder decision um, to make, you know what I mean? So hopefully we'll be at a place where it is safe for all of us to see this movie in theaters if we if we would like, um, but you know, they, they seem very confident in that, so. Y'all go ahead, ride that confident <laughs> way. I'm like, okay. Uh, y'all must <laughs> You know something I don't know. Okay, all right. But yeah, looking forward to this. And yeah, looking forward to it. Nine days again, starring with some Duke and Zazie Beats. All right. And next, uh, this was a little controversial. I didn't know the full extent of it until I read this article. But I don't know if you guys know this, Letitia Wright, if you don't know, she played uh, Shuri in Black Panther um, as well. She was in, um, oh, what's that series on Netflix? The episode Black Mirror. Yes, thank you. I was like, I know it's Black something, but it's like Black Mirror, Absolutely. Black Panther. Um, it was a pretty good episode too. Um, <laughs> let's see. So basically uh, this actress, Letitia Wright, she's a uh, British um, and she's uh, a Black British uh, actress, uh, stirs controversy after sharing an anti-vax video. And here's here's how it went down according to this article. Oh, my computer is, okay, cool. It was, it did not want me to read this article. It's cussing me out and just freezing. Anyways, <laughs> back at it. So according to the Shadow and Act article, um, Letitia Wright basically, you know, got into it with her fans. Um, when she posted a video featuring anti-vax, climate denying, and transphobic content. Now, um, it's reported that she tweeted a video. It was entitled COVID-19 vaccine. Should we talk about it? Question mark by Light London church pastor Tommy Areomi on her Twitter page on Thursday night. Um, the tweet opened the floodgates to everyone sort of like lambasting her for spreading harmful and incorrect and damaging information about coronavirus vaccinations, trans individuals, and climate change. So the tweet is, you know, it has since been deleted. So in the beginning, uh, well, I think maybe all the way through from, according to this report, Wright doubled down after fielding comments from fans writing, if you don't conform to popular opinions, but ask questions and think of yourself, you are canceled, right? So essentially her argument was like, I'm posing these questions so that we can sort of challenge basically some of the popular ideals that are out here. Um, Some I can agree with, some I'm like, maybe not. Um, When a fan tried to correct her regarding the vaccine by explaining that the enzyme luciferase is used for the vaccine's creation, she responded with, 
the name Lucifer is an interesting choice. Opens Bible, end quote. So that was a quote from her in response to that. Um, she also responded to someone, I believe her name, uh, Radio Frantos, Laura Lishman, who accused her of just being too lazy to read medical journals. Um, you know. Did she read the medical journals? That part. Um, and right later responded again to the criticism by writing my intention was not to hurt anyone my only intention of posting the video was it to raise my concerns with what the vaccine contains and what we're putting um, in our bodies nothing else um, so in a sense I think she more explained I don't know if they accepted that sort of as an apology um, but yeah, but then for some reason, Don Cheadle chimed in for some reason. I was like, okay. Where did he come from? I do not know. I mean, he's in the Marvel Universe too, so I get I don't oh, know. Okay. And then maybe like, um, I don't know if they tagged him too. Like, come, come and collect your girl. Like, ah, I'm just fucking Don Cheadle. <laughs> like, leave this man alone. But <laughs> so um, this is what he said. Uh, he so he implored basically he chimed in at her sediments after fans implored him to watch the video and he said Jesus just scrolled through hot garbage every time I stop and listen he and everything he said sounded crazy and fucked up I would never defend anybody posting this but I still won't throw her away for it the rest of it take uh, the rest I'll take off Twitter had no idea so that was the end of the quote. Prior to watching the video, Cheadle also tweeted that he would personally address her with transphobic or otherwise problematic content, but not on Twitter. Um, quoted as saying, that's how I do it with my with friends and how I hope we do it with, I hope they do it with me if I fuck up, right? So <clears throat> they didn't have to tag him and all the things. Y'all are so petty on these internets, but um <laughs> one thing i will say is like you know any sort i'm not i'm never condoning it it's particularly transphobic um comments you know yeah. never condoning condoning that right um i do think don Cheadle took the right approach um because i think unfortunately the way twitter is set up i was saying earlier it's definitely the devil's armpit um it's not it's not a forum unfortunately to have open conversations about controversial topics, right? Those are, you have to do the research on your own. And uh, I wouldn't say just keep to yourself, but the conversation shouldn't really be had here um, because it's just not a safe space for people to be like, I think this horrible thing. And then what it is an attack, right? It's never really a conversation to be like, okay, like, why do you think this way? Maybe you would consider this or maybe consider that like, okay, I see where you're coming from. I completely disagree, right? Yeah, like conversations happen on Twitter. So it's just, I mean, maybe, I mean, I, I again, I, I try and stay off there, but it's just not a space <laughs> to have. It's just, yeah, it's just not a space to have like that conversation. It's truly just roast battle, truly. So yeah, I think, you know, hopefully, I mean, depending on, you know, and uh, to be fair, I'm gonna ask, I mean, she's kind of voicing some of the, particularly when it comes to the vaccine, she's voicing a lot of okay. doubts <laughs> that people have right now. Everybody got, okay. 
every you know like i i know there are some people i've I've talked to a couple of people who are like yeah i totally am gonna take the vaccine but most people i know they are like i will not be first in line i'm not i'm not doing it that's what most people are saying and yeah i'm not mad at that i don't you know given the history of this country given the history of you know how especially black and brown people have been treated when it comes to health and you know, large distributions of medicine, it doesn't fare or quote unquote medicine, because again, we were talking about the Tuskegee experiment earlier, um, you know, and how distrust has been sold for centuries, quite frankly, not just in the oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't trust this government, not Nampy. <laughs> come for me. I don't trust this government, not Nampy's. I don't see yeah. too much. And no, yeah. Yeah, I don't so, blame you. And also, I don't, I used to work for the government. I'm like, I'm with you. I don't think I trust <laughs> it either. I'm like, you know what? I don't think I trust it either. Which is sad, you know what I mean? And it's just, it, it just goes to this particular time. There is a particular type of distrust that we are experiencing now, particularly with Trump just decimating truth and just, constantly lying and that's a regular occurrence people just i mean even before that people didn't trust it now they're like hell motherfucking no and that's a sad thing because the government should take responsibility and making sure its people are taken care of particularly during this crisis right so yeah all that to say you know this was pretty much a scandal it seemed to uh to die down a bit um, with what Letitia Wright was um, putting out there. Um, but. Yeah, I just think that she was not, she's not a type of celebrity that can say stuff like this. Yeah. She's in like Marvel movies. Yeah. And yeah, unfortunately, if you're in like Marvel movies and shit like that, you're a different type of celebrity. You can't, you can't be speaking real shit. Even if like, <laughs> I'm sorry, you gotta be fake. Like, if you wanna be that type of celebrity, that's just how it's gonna have to be. Like, you mm-hmm. can't be saying the real shit. You know what I'm saying? She's not She's not that type of celebrity, unfortunately. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe she don't give a fuck. Maybe she's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna speak yeah. my truth and yeah. I'm, uh, I'm gonna keep it real. And I don't care if I lose my Marvel Munties, mm-hmm. which um, I think the article said something about like she was liking tweets that was. Talking oh, yes. About- she, she liked tweets you're right she liked tweets about uh potential i guess rumors of them canceling a black panther too yeah so maybe she's just like she maybe she's done seen some shit and maybe. she's like fuck it like i'm yeah. just i'm i'm going out with a bang and i'm and i'm saying what i need to say so yeah. that could definitely knows? be it too and uh, also uh, let's not forget chadwick boseman passed away right so there might be another effect of well not even the grieving part but the idea of a black panther 2 without the black panther who originally played it was like maybe not you know what i mean yeah so i mean Mm -hmm. either way um yeah i just think that you have to know what type of influence you have and what type of people look up to you so i feel like if i were to be a celebrity i could share anti-vaccine I'm gonna cancel me, bitch. Y'all know, y'all know how I'm coming all day, every day. Like, uh-uh. right. I, don't, I don't play no rah rah shit. So, mm-hmm. you know, but her, I just think she had to be a little bit more mindful. But then again, I mean, she can do whatever she wants. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, 
but it's just, it's just the way society is, the way this industry is. So, unfortunately, this is how it went down. But, yeah. um, but yeah, I'm with her on the anti-vax stuff. I mean, I, I won't say I'm anti-vax. I just say I don't trust the government for shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen enough in my own research to be like, Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm going to let other people do it first. Preferably, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see yeah. what happens. But um, yeah. I'm definitely doing stuff this. Like, yeah, the transphobic stuff, no, ma'am. Yeah. Um, okay. But usually, when you're like watching, because I watch a lot of these, I didn't see the video, but mm-hmm. I watch a lot of these conspiracy theory type videos. Yeah. And sometimes some people be homophobic and transphobic. Like some of the stuff they say do be true, but then they will go into like, homophobic and transphobic self. Yeah. So you have to be mindful of that as well. Mm-hmm. She could at least cut the video or something, I mean, do a little editing. Right. Like, I don't know, child. Or just a disclaimer. It's like, just talking about the vaccine, yeah. folks. <laughs> just the vaccine. Right. The disclaimer was very, it's very simple. <laughs> right. Simple thing she could have did because, yeah, you can't mm-hmm. be spreading that shit. But mm-hmm. either way, um, she bled. So I'm going to be like, girl, yeah, <laughs> it's a double standard. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got you because all these white stuff is be saying all types of crazy shit, including the current president right now, who better get his ass Thank out. Thank you. I <laughs> forgot. How could I forget about sir? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he be saying all types of shit, and he got hella fans. <laughs> hella fans. So I don't get it, but mm-hmm. there's definitely like. Unfortunately, you can't be saying shit like that. If you they, they gonna come for your ass. So yeah, it's just one of them situations. But. Yeah, hopefully this won't affect her check too much, and you know she yeah. can move forward and continue to do what she does best, which is be an actress. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. make just just go back into acting, girl, yeah. and then when you make your money, you can disappear, and then you can say whatever the hell you whatever want you to want. say. Yeah, well, I say make your money, and then go. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Yeah. Either way, our future chat with Bozeman. <laughs> okay. Our future chat with That's all I got to say. We're talking about black people Ooh. or anything. Yeah. And we'll leave it at that. Leave it on a yeah. positive. Okay. The real K. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> my K. The one I acknowledge. Yeah. Um, so last in our news, um, for those of you who remember um, Underground, which was a television series um, about uh, basically a slave story and, and a fight a uh, fight to freedom. It was, I believe, by Misha Green. Um, series uh, co-created oh, yeah. by Misha Green. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, Underground uh, OWN has acquired uh, the acclaimed drama uh, will air series with new introductions and footage. So, that's exciting. Uh, right here from, I'm just reading straight off uh, the uh, Shadow and Act article though underground may be over it's getting a new life of sorts at own the network has acquired the two seasons of the acclaimed drama series it will begin airing on january 5th very soon the series from sony picture television will have a revitalized presentation on own with newly filmed episodic introductions by cast members never before seen behind the scenes footage and more Um, it starred adlis hodge journey smollett Christopher Maloney, Alana, uh, Alano, excuse me, Miller, and more. Um, yeah, so again, the series was co-created by Misha Green. If you heard that name before, it's because she's also co-created another show on HBO called Lovecraft Country with Jordan Peele. Please check it out. It's 
so good. I do not like scary shit. I do not like the fantasy shit. But this encompasses all of that, and it's so good. Very gory. I had to leave and come back in, but it's worth it. Yes, very gory. My God. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, Underground um, was named Best TV Show for African American Film Critics Association and received four NAACP Image Award nominations and was nominated as Outstanding New Program by the Television Critics Association. So it was well-received. I know a lot of fans, when it went off the air, they were like, what you mean? Why? I was like, whoo. They were mad. Y'all were big mad. And, um, you know, as you should be, it was a good show. I watched, I think, like, one or two episodes, but I just couldn't stay with it just because, like, the slave narrative, I'd be sad. Yeah, I'd be like, like, oh, I ain't trying to watch that no more. I can't. Like, I'm sorry. I want to, but my God. I still haven't seen Harriet. I'm like, but I believe... Okay, Cynthia, I don't think I've been to either. I'm like, Cynthia, reveal you did that. I'm not watching Antebellum. I, it's both, like... I that was and horrific. Well, see, there you go. So... <laughs> I, <laughs> that's like, I can't. Um... But there are still stories that need to be told. And if that is y'all thing, please go out and uh, support it. And it, I'm glad that OWN came in and, you know, acquired Underground and going to represent it with uh, behind-the-siege footage. So, again, it lives on. I don't think it'll have new episodes, per se, but I guess it'll have new introductions and behind-the-scenes footage. So, um, yeah. Well, actually, let me go back to the will again. Let me see if it will get new episodes. Yeah, it didn't say that they're going to get new episodes. So I just wanted to throw that out there for y'all. But reimagined by own. There we go. All right. With that, um, we're going to take a quick break and we will be back with the main segment. We are back in black as usual. Well, if you haven't read the description today we're going to be talking about holiday movies y'all because we're moving into december which is you know part of the holiday season yes and all you're going to be seeing from now until jan are holiday movies holiday tv show episodes is anything holiday related it's going to be on your screen hallmark about to make their money for the year mariah carey about to make her money as (laughs) As Always. Soon as, that, as soon as it turned over first, Ooh. that girl, she making money. Period. She's going to be, oh, her kid's going to be snatching, snatching, snatching dollars, okay? Oh. Susan over first, she's snatching <laughs> Um. <laughs> so that means we're in holiday season, and we're going to be talking about how to make a great holiday movie. Yes. Obviously, we're doing an article from Screencraft written by the Kim Miyamoto. That's a dog. Like, article that we've ever talked about from Minecraft, that nigga wrote it. Okay, okay. killing it. Um, shout out to him for doing all the things by himself. Mm-hmm. Very uh, Tyler Perry of him. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's get right into his article. So his little intro basically talks about obviously that holiday movies are some of the most consistent box office earners in the industry. Very true. I mean, you can count on people to watch them even if they hate them. They're going to watch them around mm-hmm. Time because that's just how it is. Truly, um, holiday classics like It's a Wonderful Life and A Christmas Story, which I've never seen neither of those, often have 24 hour runs because classic mm-hmm. would be classic for like white folks. Yep. Not my classes. I mean, I ain't never seen them. So, um, <gasps> and then modern classics continue like Christmas Vacation, Elf. Now, Elf, 
That was funny. That was funny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> the Santa Claus and Home Alone. Um, the gals love Home Alone. Yeah. I mean. And Scrooge. I don't know I don't that remember is. Remember Scrooge? Okay. Have, he says they have become seasonal staples on most networks. Sure. Eighteen um, animated animated remake of The Grinch. So if you guys mm-hmm. don't know, The Grinch was done in um two thousand one, two thousand whatever. Um, mm-hmm. and Jim Carrey played the perfect cast. That shit was hilarious. That was good. The Grinch with the Jim he Carrey. Did that. Okay. He did good. Mm-hmm. He did that. Mm-hmm. They read. They did a but made it animated, and it came mm-hmm. out two years ago. It made over half a billion dollars all by itself. My God. Um, because of the, the because of what it was, it was a holiday. Grinch is like a holiday classic. It is. Um, and like I said before, Hallmark is making it as huge. Uh, Lifetime is making their money as usual because True. they are like the holiday movie kings and queens and they make it do what it do. And Netflix also be doing a lot for the holidays. Yep. It seems like when November 1st strikes, they put all them shits okay. on there. Uh, I, you I, guys I, watch Jingle Jangle? I, I just about to say about Jingle Jangle. That shit is good. The music is on point. <laughs> Come on. Y'all better support Black Holiday Magic. Okay? So, so good. If you guys didn't watch Jingle Jangle, I'm fighting every single one, and y'all just going to say because y'all be asking for Black Holiday classics, so y'all better watch them. You got Forrest Whitaker, you got Felicia Rashad, you got mm-hmm. um, one of the, which uh, was Keegan, Keegan Michael, uh, yeah, Key. Yep. The key nigga was in there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so make sure y'all support. But anyways, I say all that to say that holiday movies are just like he said, a very consistent thing. Every single year, you can expect to see these things um, on your screen, and you can expect to consume holiday media. Absolutely. So, if I mean, me personally, I am I like some holiday movies, but I just hate like corny shit. Yeah. And I so a lot of holiday movies tend to be corny, so I'm not like super. Oh my god, holiday movie! What? Yeah, I'm not that type of bitch. Yeah. But I will. I do like some of them so yeah. but everyone else in the world likes them i'm the only dark bitch so i'm like i'm, the only, I'm like i hate them um, <laughs> but most people like them so if you yeah. want to do one i suggest do it i mean yeah. there's always going to be market for it is basically mm-hmm. what always going to be a market for a good holiday movie and it's just like every year you can expect that you're going to see them yeah. so what uh, he in this article breaks down the seven essential elements of great holiday movies because the one thing is that they put out a lot of holiday movies but some of them suck ass and titties so Not good. Not good. Um, there are very few that are like great mm-hmm. and classics and yeah. a lot of them fall in cliches so he wants to tell you how to make those great holiday movies that people are talking about and watching yep. every single year mm-hmm. so number one which is a very important one nostalgia i mean i think that just goes it, it speaks for itself yeah. nearly every great christmas movie allows the audience to be kids again that's super important um even if they're about adult themes and stories, the holiday genre is steeped, steeped, child, in nostalgia. <laughs> I love the way he wrote this, coding every scene with familiar touchstones for audiences to grab onto and make their own. Even more interesting is how these movies get passed down to kids by the parents becoming part of the holiday tradition. And that is what you want. If you're writing a holiday movie, you want that to become like a tradition um, and you want it to be something that like every year a family is getting together to watch it and they're passing it down to their um, their kids. So I think that is the key to making a, a iconic holiday movie. 
and it is steeped in nostalgia. So that's why we love the holidays, I think, is because there's so much like good feelings and nostalgic feelings that are intertwined with these times. So if you're making a holiday movie, you have to make sure that you supply that good feeling that the holidays usually supply. So he says, most adults have long outgrown the days of making a list for Santa. And he put most in parentheses because I know some motherfuckers be writing y'all lists and that's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, you don't pray for snow and Christmas might be a headache with the stress of gifts, family and all the other, t- other tasks that go into holiday season. But when you watch a Christmas story, you get to experience Christmas through the eyes of young Ralphie, which is the little blonde boy with the glasses. Yeah. You remember the excitement of snow days, snow forts, snow fights, seeing Santa in the mall, staring up at the endless Christmas lights in the city and suburbs and getting that one special gift that was at the top of our list, the one we've been dreaming about getting the whole year and it feels great. So that's basically him talking about how nostalgia drives most holiday movies and screenwriters and filmmakers need to tap into these powerful emotions. Like I just talked about with set pieces. Okay, I didn't think about set pieces. With set pieces and scenes that take advantage of our shared childhood experiences of the holidays. Um, So he's definitely right about set pieces. It has to be very visual, Mm -hmm. I think. And just, yeah, so definitely you should be including scenes that, um, I think you should include scenes that have, that are very like childlike in their way. So like scenes with Santa or like scenes with things that I think we've all done as kids around holidays should definitely have scenes that mirror that because that brings nostalgia into your project. Mm -hmm. Second one is magic. Believe it or not, there was a time when most of us believed in fat, jolly, white bearded man. I don't think I've ever believed in Santa. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I ever did. I think so, I did, but for a short time. It was just like. So this is this like just, a black folk thing? Maybe. I'm like, my parents was just, they definitely was like, here are your gifts that I bought you. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't no. <laughs> It wasn't daddy, mom, mom, like, shit for mom and dad, okay? <laughs> like, like, okay so this is a black folk thing. <laughs> look, I don't have the time. <laughs> North Bay Shots. <laughs> I'm playing with you. I bought that. You're welcome. <laughs> like, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's funny. Okay, so. But in his article, he says that um, most of us believe in Santa at a time. Like I said, me and you have ever been there but some of y'all probably have um and a lot of that is tied up with the holiday season that magic that wonder that whimsical um idea of the holidays so even though we live in a very cynical world i mean 2020 um holiday movies are supposed to kind of make you forget about the reality of life and just how shitty it can be sometimes so um that's the holidays do for some people some people they stress them out but or holiday movies, you have to include that magic and you have to kind of include that fantasy um, aspect into your your screenwriting. So mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess we could talk about how how can you include magic in there? I guess yeah. um I, I mean it's a lot of women like if we if we go like if we take uh, you, we both saw Jingle Jangle. So there's elements of like wonder and like magic where you know, at the end, we see Felicia Rashad and her a reveal at the end of the kids with her and them flying to, you know, the factory yeah, that yeah. they're in, right? There's a lot of, you know, just like even, I mean, Mary Poppins isn't 
um, a holiday movie, but like a lot of like surreal things happening where it's just like, how did that happen? And most of us are like movie magic, of course, uh, hidden strings, but you know, it creates this effect of uh, uh, fantasy and, and things happening because of magic. So um, yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's very true. You can just include things that are not going to happen in real life. So <laughs> I guess that's <laughs> magic. So like, yeah. like you said, the flying at the end, or you can include like maybe the kid looks up and sees a fucking sleigh in the sky or something. Yeah. Yeah. Just something that's not true or not going to happen in real life. Mm-hmm. That some way, somehow in your in your um screenplay and it can even be like ways that you describe the scenery so you yep. can like, set up a scene and make sure that you say something about like the the whimsicality of the lights mm-hmm. like just something like that just to yeah. kind of create that energy we got to yeah. keep that same energy throughout the entire project so yeah definitely add that magic mm-hmm. friends so next is Family. So I totes, totes, totes this one. Yeah. Um, holidays are nothing without family. And I do know that some people don't have family to celebrate with, but hopefully you have at least friends like your chosen family mm-hmm. um, to celebrate with. But holidays are all about family to me. And that's all I really care about when it comes to holidays is yeah. family. So, um, so first of all, blessings for those who do have family to celebrate with. Mm-hmm. And, um, for most of us who do have family to celebrate with, our chosen family to celebrate with, yes. we are thinking about that when it comes to holidays. And when we're thinking about holiday movies, if you think about all your holiday movies, most of them are based around family. Yep. So definitely, if either that's like the main plot point or one holiday movie that I think of is This Christmas. Yes. Yeah. Holiday movie, but it was a very well done um, yeah. black holiday movie and it's centered around this one family. Mm-hmm. Um, it was literally about the family, in my opinion, yeah. uh, more so about the holidays, but it was based around a holiday. Mm-hmm. And most of your holiday movies are going to be, family is going to be a big aspect of any holiday movie that you can point out to me. Yeah. So um, make your holiday project, if you're writing one, is either, it doesn't have to be centered around a certain family like this Christmas, but <laughs> just make sure that's we. Yep. the thing so maybe your main character is going home for the holidays so i just watched this one netflix movie called holiday um, oh how was how was that <laughs> it was like this little this little white movie about it had emma what's that name? emma roberts julie okay. roberts niece in it, and she was the star and she was basically um single for the holidays which i guess people feel some type of way if they're single for the holidays me personally i can give a shit but <laughs> i guess um, some people really feel some type of way if they go home for the holidays with their family and they're single. So that yeah. was the main point of the movie is she was going yeah. home um, for the holidays to be with her family. Family was a huge part of what the movie was about. Yeah. And she didn't have a date, I guess, or yeah. she wasn't bringing a guy home. So it was like a big deal or whatever. Mm-hmm. So she started seeing this dude and he was like her holiday. So okay. basically never talk. And, and the only time they talked was, um, she, he would come home with her for the holidays and it was supposed to be like that type of situation. Of course it's a rom-com, so they ended up fucking, and then they ended up falling in love when it wasn't supposed to be serious. And then, you know, he got her mad or no, no, she got him mad. And then at the end she had to like profess her love for him, um, in front of a crowd, um, for Christmas. So it's very, like, very cliche, um, 
holiday movie, but it was rooted in family because the only reason she started doing the whole holiday thing was because of her family and going home for Christmas and all that stuff. So um, definitely make sure that family is embedded some way, somehow in your plot, your story, um, because it's not a holiday movie without family, in my opinion. So um, the next one I'll talk about is atmosphere. So when it comes to holiday movies, atmosphere is everything. Mm -hmm. What would a um, holiday movie be without Christmas lights and decorations? How good is a holiday movie without snow? What about toy stores with desperate parents? So atmosphere can even can take an otherwise unholiday movie to the top of many holiday lists. Mm -hmm. So he has a list of holiday movies here. Some of these I didn't know were holiday movies. Right. Right. Die Hard. Yeah. Weapon. Trading Places. Batman Returns. Kiss Kiss. Bang Bang. Gremlins. Right. Yeah. He put a question mark next to Gremlins. Oh yeah. But I mean, from what I remember, Gremlins, I do remember some holiday type shit going on. Yeah. Like the atmosphere of it. The atmosphere. Yep. So this is, I guess, atmosphere is super important um when it comes to your holiday movies you got to create that environment and that setting in order for us to get into the holiday spirit and want to take yes. on it right with you chat so make sure that mm-hmm. your atmosphere is is set up um yep. and yeah let's get these holiday movies going guys please and you know there's big checks in that because when you do, you know, create that atmosphere, you create something that's memorable. That's the whole idea to make sure that you're creating memories and moments, particularly around the holidays. So the fifth moment or fifth element, I should say, that is sort of helpful for a holiday movie or you find in successful holiday movies are actually holiday tropes and cliches. So according to this article, most critics and screenwriters scoff at tropes and cliches. They often feel that Hollywood cinema is worse off because of them. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Audiences love what is familiar, especially when it comes to seasonal movies. The test of a great screenwriter is giving audiences what they know while offering something new. For holiday movies, tropes and cliches are necessary and he gave examples, the crazy grandparent, the weird uncle, the rebellious teenager, the naughty kid, the career focused parent. But it's what you do with those familiar elements to make the story stand out uh, and last for decades. So these are very common, particularly during the holidays because you know most of the holiday movies are again, trying to bring family together, trying to also be very, um, I don't want to say general, but appeal to a wide audience. So usually when you see them trying to do that, they're going to give you familiar characters in different ways. You know what I mean? Um, They had the example of, I believe it was Santa Claus. I think it was with Tim Allen was in it and he was this exec and he became Santa Claus and like got really big and changed into Santa Claus. It was like such an interesting but (laughs) um we got you know we got the trope of this like dad who was out of touch and then all of a sudden he becomes Santa Claus you know what I mean and so getting it back to the figure of Santa Claus and who that character was and why people why there's so many Santa Claus even though like most of us know this man is not real it's a story and a um yeah it's a story that is a part of our Christmas culture so when we serve that we understand. Also, we're talking about family. So everybody got a weird uncle, you know, everybody got a crazy grandparent. You know what I mean? I know, I know I have one. So 
Um, and they make they make it very interesting in these movies and they're interesting character studies. So when it comes to Hollywood and holiday, excuse me, holiday movies, the tropes and cliches are actually what you do need um, in your story, but you just put your own twist on it um, to make it stand out, especially in this crowded field of, of movies. Mm-hmm. So number six, the element that is in most successful holiday films is hope. Uh, According to, again, Ken, um, the writer of this article, the holiday season is a season of hope. I know that's an optimistic take, but it's true. Audiences watch these holiday movies over and over and over again because we can all use a little bit more hope in our lives. When was the last holiday movie that you saw, uh, saw a void of hope? Never. Even Bad Santa has a redemption arc. So that was, yeah, that was a good movie. So, um... Yeah, even holiday dramas like Home for the Holidays offer us hope at the end. Home Alone, again, redemption and hope. So a holiday screenplay without hope is like a Christmas tree without presents underneath it, underneath it, right? You always feel like something's missing. And even like um, right now, a lot of times those movies are popular because they are offering a hopeful ending. You know what I mean? Not everybody wants to watch something tragic, gore, like all the time. Some people, like I know for me, I can't watch horrors uh, before I go to bed, probably ever, because um, it affects me with, you know what I mean? It, it stays in my subconscious. And, you know, a lot of times people take in a lot of negativity or they have very stressful jobs and all they want to do is go home and watch something that has no type of drama in it <laughs> because it's just too much for them. You know what I mean? And um, movies like that, that offer hope are really like easy to watch with the whole family, you know, from the oldest to the youngest, there's something appropriate for everyone to enjoy and that everyone honestly is needing hope in their lives, especially now. So I can see, especially, you know, these type of movies are doing fairly popular. You can see the Netflix list of these shows and a lot of them are holiday holiday movies. You know, it's that time of season and they're offering hope and everyone, like if you're stuck at home with small kids, I know you're gonna pop on Jingle Jangle, just let them get lost so you, you can- pop on Jingle Jangle. Okay. <laughs> like, Go ahead, pop that in. You know, it offers hope, it offers redemption, whimsy, magic, and banging songs. So the adults adults might actually enjoy it. So, um, yeah, it's it's important for uh, most holiday movies to have the element of hope in it. And those are the more successful ones. Um, The last element that is highlighted here, and I talked a little bit about it before, but it's redemption. You know, according to this article, one of the most common ingredients to holiday movies is redemption. They have been roughly 23 direct adaptations of A Christmas Carol. For some reason, for some reason, people are drawn to the journey of redemption that Ebenezer Scrooge takes on Christmas Eve. It's easily one of the most recognizable, enduring, and adapted holiday films for a reason. People want to believe that they can be better than they were right so the idea that you can change right you can you know redeem yourself is something that is common among all human beings we're all gonna need redemption we don't need it right now i mean the whole earth needs redemption right now to be clear but (laughs) like but uh (laughs) you know we love to see you know someone who goes from 
you know, bad to good, you know, we want to see, to believe like, you know, cause all of us make mistakes and we want to believe and we want to hope that, okay, there's some way we can be better and do better. And a lot of these holiday movies, they show that redemptive arc. Um, and you know, that's always a good, uh, I mean, it's always a good element period, but it's a successful element for a holiday movie for sure. So, um, yeah, he gave a couple of examples. Um, many incarnations of It's a Wonderful Life. Um, he also gave Home Alone when the parents left a baby for the holidays. That's just the movie. So ridiculous. I grew up watching I don't. <laughs> I don't got kids yet, so I can't really say them. But I was, I was like, bitch, what? <laughs> How do you leave a whole kid at home? How? The whole child. The whole. <laughs> got through TSA and everything. Like, no. Right. No. Cause I know my, my ass be traveling with my dog. Like my ass, like wait, wait, at, at all times, at all times. So, yeah. My God, yeah. That's my movie though, but I don't know. Okay, <laughs> that is my movie. But yes, that I'm glad they showed redemption because I know if it would have been a black family, it would have been a whole somebody would have. Oh been my God, they would have called. What's the job? Yep. services. gone, gone. You let go, baby. How long? Oh no, you are unfit. <laughs> they gonna take that baby. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. Anyways, redemption. You need it in the holiday films. Um, and again, just to sort of just recap on all seven successful elements. Um, basically, we started at the top with nostalgia. You gotta have nostalgia in there. You have to have the magic, magic. You yeah. gotta have uh, an element of family, family gatherings and all that stuff. Um, you have to make sure the Christmas atmosphere, Christmas atmosphere is in there. You're gonna need your go-to holiday tropes and cliches. You wanna stay away from them normally, but the holiday films go ahead and throw them in there. Yeah. You need to have an element of hope and of course a redemption arc to help with those movies. So yeah. Those are the elements. I mean, he mostly focused on like Christmas time, but in general, you know, in any holiday season, if you want a successful holiday movie, these are the elements, you know? I don't know if there's a surge in Easter movies or whatever, but <laughs> hell, I go off, I don't, you know, why not? <laughs> one side note I have is, I think one really good holiday movie is mm -hmm. Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes, I that's a very, yeah, it's a very good one. the most innovative yeah. holiday movie I've ever seen because yeah. it's like- Burton did that, he did yeah. that. He, he did that because it's like, well, dang, is this like a scary movie? But it's no, right. it's a Christmas movie. So right. um, you don't have to emulate that, but it's like you want to do a holiday movie, but you have to have those cliches, like we said, but you want to like make it somehow different. I mean, let's let's mm -hmm. let Nightmare Before and Night Before Inspire. Nightmare Before Christmas inspire you yeah. um, to make um, a holiday movie that's that's different, that kind of flips the genre on its head while yeah. still employing some of those those tropes and those cliches that you know our audiences are familiar with. So if you've yeah, never the, seen it too, definitely it's on Disney Plus now. It's Disney. good. Like it's, and it's the, really good. I see it come out both times. I see it come out when it comes out on Halloween and then Christmas as well. Yeah. So it was like because those themes and stuff. So yeah. Yeah. So it's um it's like a true holiday movie faux show. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah. yeah. But if you guys are, are making your, your holiday films, make sure you're doing them. Get your checks, yes. get your coin. Make it do what it do out here because like he said in the beginning of the article, it's a very consistent um, stream. And I'm sure there's people nope. who um, write those Hallmark holiday movies every year. And they'd be like, bitch, can you come? Like, yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure they have. The man is every year. It yes. comes every year. The holidays, so. On call who are ready mm-hmm. to write their holiday movies every single year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll probably never write one, but that doesn't mean that you guys can't. I mean, I would try if you're into that stuff, give it a go, child. You mm-hmm. never know. Yeah. I think those are pretty easy to get made too. Yeah. Because it's just such a huge market. And it's like mm-hmm. they don't have to be like Oscar nominated films. You know what I'm saying? They don't have to be critically acclaimed films. Right. You know what I'm saying? As right. long as they employ these things that he talked about, someone's gonna watch it on the yep. moment. So yep. shoot, get that coin out you can, child. That's what I think. Yep. Don't miss yep. it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. perfect, 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 perfect. Okay. Y'all better get the right. Y'all come on now. <laughs> and also, like execs know they're gonna get their money back. Oh yeah, that's the thing because it always comes around. If it's a really good holiday movie, they know it's a sound investment. Mm-hmm. Period. 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 All right. With that, uh, we're gonna go to our last segment, which is niggas you should know. All right, so niggas you should know, again, it is the segment where we give, uh, we highlight, you know, two niggas y'all should know in the entertainment industry who are making waves, who are doing amazing things. And we just want to shout out and um, yeah, just want to give them a shout out. So I'm going to go first. Um, my nigga you should know is named Ishmael Cruz Cordova. Um, the reason why I'm shouting him out is because I finished HBO's The Undoing. And um, Nicole Kidman is in it, but he plays a character of a woman who was murdered. He plays the uh, husband or, or partner to this woman. Um, and he did a great job. <laughs> he killed it. Also, he's very fine. It's just like looking, I'm just looking at the TV screen like, why? I'm just squinting like, you are so fine. <laughs> like, why are you just fine? Okay, just perfect, fine. So uh, Ishmael Cruz Cordova, he's an actor entrepreneur and he's currently based in New York. He was born and raised in uh, Aguas uh, Buenas, Puerto Rico. Um, And at the age of 15, um, he began doing local commercials. So he started young and he was in his high school dramas and all that. In 2006, he decided to further pursue his dream in acting and moved to New York City, where he studied at NYU's Tisch School of the Arts. Um, At NYU, Ishmael has been recognized for his acting roles in several awards, uh, 25 Leaders of Future of Latino Leaders Magazine. He identifies as Afro-Latino. He knows he's Black. and it's when giving trailblazing exemplary individuals in media and entertainment. So he's been, he has, he's been, he's been working. Um, he did a really great job in the undoing. If you haven't seen it, check it out and check out all his other stuff. He's also been in Jane the Virgin. Um, yeah. And not only is he talented, um, but he is fine too. So enjoy. It's cute. Yeah, he's cute. Fine, and I'm on it. <laughs> oh, he looks damn good. He looks damn good. Yeah, he sucks. Aries, I get yeah. along with Aries. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, so 
shop around and children. <laughs> All right. So shout out to that, you know, fine, sir. Mm-hmm. Next, we're getting to my Nikki You Should Know, Miss Natalie DeSell Reed, who we spoke about earlier, who just passed away. Rest her soul, rest in peace, and rest in power. Um, yes. Like Judith talked about before, she has been in a lot of movies that I find to be iconic within our yeah. community. Well, no, just iconic in general. Why does a Black movie have to just be iconic in the Black community? Why can't it just no. be iconic? Iconic, yep. Iconic. So let me yep. know. Yep. Um, it's iconic. She's been in a lot of iconic movies yeah. for me, um, like BAPS. Mm-hmm. I love BAPS, okay? Um, she was in How to Be a Player and the iconic Cinderella movie. I mean, so with Brandy, Miss Whitney Houston, mm-hmm. Whoopi Goldberg was yep. in that. Um, mm-hmm. who? I mean, who? I mean, it was like one of Bernadette the Peters. Yeah, yes, it was like, it was yes. like where everybody was any color, and it did not matter. I think the prince was Asian. Mm-hmm. Whoopi Goldberg was his mama, and then some white man was his daddy. So I love that about that movie. And mm-hmm. she played one of the stepsisters and killed. Okay, Kill that killed, role. killed her songs. Killed yeah. anything. I I adored it. And she had yeah. a white sister and a white mom. So I just I love that movie for that reason. Is that yeah. I was a kid watching that and was like, oh, it doesn't like everyone's whatever color. Like it just didn't yeah. matter. Everyone was included. Yeah. Um, yes. I think it's so important and I'm glad that she was a part of something like that and I don't know why that movie doesn't get more recognition truly it was really dope mm-hmm. it's amazing mm-hmm. she was also in um the tv series built to last and for your love and she did play on three seasons the show eve if you guys yep. remember um the rapper eve had a little show and I yep. like I love that show. I'm gonna be yeah it was good mm-hmm. and she um played J- Janie Egan's on there um so my sis like I said has been a lot of iconic things for me I grew up watching her and it was very very sad when I woke up this morning and saw that she has left us very young very talented but her work will definitely live on for for sure I mean I'm watching BAPS I'm watching BAPS this weekend Mm -hmm. I'm doing it big I'm having me a Natalie um marathon just watching all because she was she was so talented, so charismatic, and truly a light. Yep. I really, yep. I really enjoyed watching her. Like she's one of the yep. few people where I'm like, I really enjoy watching this lady. Like she just makes yep. me smile just by being on the screen. Yep. And that's very rare to find in in um people these days. True. So I want to read a quote from Robert Townsend. If you guys don't know who that is, he has been he's been killing it in the game for a minute. A long time. Mm-hmm. He, yes. He's he's been in here for a long time and he directed BAPS mm-hmm. with her and Halle Berry. And he yep. wrote this beautiful um tribute to her, talking about um how she started in BAPS and it was her first leading role in Hollywood and how she got a part of that. And I wanted to read mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. he says, My heart is aching, my breathing has been heavy as I learned this morning of the passing of my friend Natalie DeSell Reed. I directed her in BAPS, her first leading role in Hollywood. So here's a memory. I couldn't find anybody that I thought had the charisma. She had that and would create the comedy chemistry that I wanted to star opposite Halle Berry. I was really stuck. Then Faison, I don't know, maybe Faison Love, um, 
that, yeah, it's probably Faison Love, says that there's a girl in my acting class that you should meet. I met her at his house and we do a two hour improv and Natalie was absolutely brilliant with her innocent country charm. She definitely has. Yes, he says he calls the studio and he tells them that he found the perfect girl, but she has no credits. The mm. studio thinks that it's a waste of time, but he still brings Natalie in for callbacks. And as she walks, as he walks into the waiting area with half of the biggest black actresses in Hollywood, he sees Natalie looking nervous and she's shaking. He pulls her outside and she says, I can't do this. I know all these actresses from movies and television and they ain't gonna want me. Um, so he told her to relax and that she's got this. And when she finally came to the room, packed with executives, she walks in wobbly with a big warm smile and her country. Hey, y'all. And, yeah. so <laughs> and so Hallie saw that she was nervous and jumped up from the couch and hugged her so tightly to comfort her. And then the hand of God showed up. <laughs> come on, hand of God. Come on. Come on. And their chemistry was unbelievable. She was cast on the spot, y'all. Um, when you make a movie with someone, you become family for a little bit of time, and hopefully you'll create some amazing work with the family that will live on forever. And Natalie was a part of the dynamic duo that has made BAPS a classic that will live on forever. You will be missed, talented, funny lady, but thankfully, we will always get to see you as your work lives on. So... Wow. I mean, what a beautiful memory. Um, the fact so, that she was so, so nervous yeah. and was cast on the spot child. I mean, that just goes to show that it was really what's made for you. You cannot fuck up. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. Yeah. Talent. Then it's, it's all yours, sister. Yep. So um, very glad he shared that. And it just goes to show that she was truly iconic and mm-hmm a star and yep. she'll be very missed but like he said her work um and her body of work will live on her legacy will live on and we will never forget you sis nope. so peace and rest in power girl yes yes i mean yeah like you said i'm gonna go binge all the work that she's been in definitely for this weekend weekend so yeah rest in power and yeah that is that is our show everybody um yeah thank you for listening shout out to um new and old listeners alike um we are on instagram at tinseltown t we are on facebook at tinseltown t we are also bravely on twitter (laughs) well okay (laughs) That's good. No more Twitter, guys. Hit us up on Instagram, Facebook. It's perfectly fine and okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, we're doing an ebook as well. So we'll work on that. We'll get that. We'll let y'all know when it's ready to go. And I'm trying to think of anything else. Anything else? No, I think that's it. Just continue to um, look out for the ebook and continue yeah. to vote with us because we fuck with y'all. Yeah. We are yeah. very grateful. Okay. Yes. So yes. Yes. Take yes. Your time to you know, hit us up on the socials, to follow us on there, and to listen and to watch um, these recordings. I mean, we're just very grateful and thank y'all for fucking with us. We are going to be ramping it up in 2021. So just watch out. Thank y'all for those that been rocking since the beginning. (laughs) Wash your hands, wear a mask. (laughs) That's all. Wash your hands, wear a mask, child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Bye, (laughs) y'all.